Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. It is good to be in the house of the Lord once again. Let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless our time together. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for Your great love and we praise You for this privilege that we have to open Your Word, that You've given us this joy and this privilege to to share in the the wonderful bread of life, that which feeds our soul, that which nourishes us and helps us to grow. And Lord, we pray that You'd help us as we study. Lord, may Your Spirit move within our life. May Your Spirit speak to our hearts and may we know your desire and your your will for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians once again. The book of Ephesians, and we're still in chapter 4, but we're moving. We're making progress. We're heading down the road of, of uh, learning what's in God's Word, and we're, we're seeing what God would have us to understand and let me remind you what where we've come so far we've we've studied through the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians and we've learned what God's plan is for us and we we learned in the first three chapters about God's desire to uh uh, to make us a part of the family of God, that that God had predestined us to do that, uh, to have that relationship. But He gives us the free will because He loves us. He He doesn't want to force us into that relationship. It's it's kind of like uh, being in a, a love relationship in, in with someone that you don't love. I, I mean, uh, when we're young, a lot of times we might. Uh, we might see somebody that we moon over and we pine for and we just sit there and we uh, have googly eyes for them and everything. But if they don't show that love back to us, we can't force them to love us, can we? I mean, we can't. We can sit there and we can send them love notes and we can send them flowers and chocolates and all that kind of stuff. But if they don't love us, then it it. it that love connection just doesn't happen, does it? Well, God doesn't didn't want to force us to love Him. Didn't force us to to uh, to into obedience. Didn't force us to have that relationship with Him. He, uh, so God desired that mankind would have that relationship with God that was born out of genuine love, that was born out of His expressing love to us, and then then we reciprocating that love to Him. And so for that reason God gave mankind a free choice to choose whether or not we'd love God, whether or not we'd have a relationship with Him. He didn't force it upon us, but He chose from before time ever existed that He would desire to express to us that love. That's that's uh, what a lot of people call predestination. God predestined that He would demonstrate His love towards us when we sinned against Him. Uh, this is before God ever said, let there be light. He said before He ever created mankind, He determined that He would express His love towards us and pay the penalty of our sins. Because remember, God knows everything. 
So God knew when He put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden and gave uh, Adam and Eve the, the choice of whether or not to sin, He knew they would sin. In fact, He knew when you were born that, <clears throat> that as sweet and tender as you are as a little baby, that one day you get to the point where you assert your independence and you express yourself in such a way that you don't do what God desires for you. I remember when uh, my mama always told me when I was a little baby that, that I would uh, sit there and I'd ball up my fist when I get hungry and I'd ball up my fist and I'd cry. And I always thought of that as the image of what we do with God when we're uh, in this world and we, we ball up our fists and we cry and we say, no God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's God allowing us to have that freedom to choose. And, and, but God still chose to express His love towards us. That's what predestination, all, all that means. And so in the past, God predestined that He would love us. In the present, uh, we understand and know that God is redeeming us and God is uh, transforming us into the creation that He wants to through sanctification by working in us. And, and once we accept that love into our life, once we have that relationship with God, He is changing us and transforming us into the creation that He wants us to be. In fact, what it is is that what God is trying to do is He's trying to take us uh, from the, the sinful condition that we're in today and put us back into what we should have been in the garden. That relationship that Adam and Eve had, had in the garden before sin entered into the world was God's perfection. He, remember He said when He created uh, uh, the light and the darkness, He said, it's good. When He created the stars, the sun, the moon, and all that's in the heavens, He said, that's good. When He created the animals and all creation, He said, that's good. And when He created mankind, He said, that's good. Well, at that point, we were good because sin hadn't entered into the world. But when sin entered into the world, we were no longer good. We were no longer as God had created us. And so all of sanctification, all of God's redeeming us is putting us back to where we should have been in the garden. That condition of goodness, that condition of perfection that God desired for us. And then in the future, God has a plan for us. He has a plan that we would be a part of the family of God, that we would not only be redeemed and that not only that we would have that salvation, but that we would become... Uh, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And isn't that an amazing thing? God not only paid the penalty for your sins and my sins, God not only paid the price so that you wouldn't have to spend an eternity separated from Him by your sin, but not only that, He also desired to make you a part of the family through adoption through the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He adopts us into the family of God. And not only, He doesn't make us a red-headed stepchild to somebody that's just sitting over in the corner and getting a little crumbs. He makes us to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. And so we saw all of God's plan in chapters 1 through 3. Chapter 4 is all about God, God's practical process of making us 
what we're supposed to be. And so we looked at, uh, first of all, we looked uh, at the first couple of verses last week and we saw uh, all that happened uh, there and, and the first couple of verses and, and we, uh, we talked about the lowly walk. We talked about all of that for a long time. We talked about how we the process of becoming what God wants us to be is, is about uh, the lowly walk of walking like Christ and, and uh, walking in humility, walking in uh, uh, long-suffering, of uh, walking in meekness. And we talked about how it's so important for us to understand that all of that is leading up to unity in the body unity and it's so important for us to have that unity in the body of Christ of being uh, united so that we can serve God uh, like uh, Paul mentioned in his uh, letter to Ephesus he says look everybody can't be an eye everybody can't see uh, if we were all an eye how would we hear and he said everybody can't have uh, the gift of, of being able to speak eloquently how, how if, if we were all a tongue how how do we smell and and you know he was using that ridiculous image of, of one big tongue you know we'd be of no use because we'd just be a big tongue we could talk but we couldn't do anything uh, we have to have uh, all of the body of Christ and we have to all, we're all important and essential and we're all uh, significant even though we might feel as though we're not significant as if we might, if we don't feel important, we are still important and we all have to work together uh, and in fact, you, you know, you have some people that have uh, uh, muscular diseases that have difficulty controlling their body and, and you look at one of those fel- uh, folks and, and you see how much a challenge it is when their whole body is not working together to accomplish the task of standing up and walking and talking and doing all the things that we do and we take for granted. The body of Christ is the same way. We have to all work together in order that we might be able to accomplish the work of Christ. So we're looking at, uh, look with me at verse 11, and it says, uh, and uh, uh, he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth and love may, uh, may grow up in, unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitteth jointly together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Well, that's a lot of Scripture, and as you can imagine, we're going to uh, take it apart and look at it and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to, uh, to take note of verse uh, 11 and 12. It's, it has uh, all these different 
things in which people, uh, these gifts, and we talked about the gifts, uh, the giftedness of Christ uh, in Christ and how Christ gifts us last week. And we talked about how uh, each of us has a, a gift given by God in order to accomplish the work of the body of Christ. And we talked about how uh, uh, we have a special gift that God is. Uh, look, even though we have several teachers that teach Sunday school and, and several people that are gifted in teaching, uh, we all have an individual gift that is unlike any other gift. And, and even though when there might be several teachers, uh, each particular person that is teaching, uh, that has the gift of teaching, has that gift in a specific way that God is using and working in the church. And God is uh, working in us. And he, uh, uh, Paul here is is talking about these uh, uh, gifts here. He says some are given to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so he's talking about the diversity of the, of the gifts of the Spirit of God that has been working. And so he talks about that. And then he says in verse 12, the key verse here, uh, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Why are those gifts given? So that the saints may be perfected for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want us to kind of focus in on that particular verse and we're going to uh, look at that in particular uh, today and I want you to see a couple of things that are important for us to pick up while we're there. He says there's different gifts and he talks about some high profile gifts of, of apostles and preachers and teachers and, and all that kind of uh, thing and, and he's saying these are the gifts of the Spirit. These are given and the purpose that they are giving are for their perfecting uh, of the saints, the perfecting of the saints. And that word that is there for perfecting is a particular uh, word that, that we want to look at in specific. This particular verse is my life verse. When I felt the call of, of Jesus Christ upon my life, uh, not only uh, after I became a Christian and I, after I began growing in Christ, I, uh, I came to a point in my life where I just understood and knew that God was calling me into ministry and calling me into service. And uh, one of the things that God impressed upon me was this, uh, this verse right here. He says, this is the work that the church is to accomplish. This is the work. He says, look, Christ is giving... Uh, uh, let me just break it down for you a little bit. He says, these are the gifts of the Spirit of God. These are the gifts that God has given of teaching and preaching and and an apostle and, and uh, these different... these different gifts that God has given to the church to accomplish His work... They're given not so that that person could be stood up in front of everyone and be applauded for the fact that he can uh, uh, talk for 30 minutes without stumbling too much. Or uh, he, uh, we don't. God didn't give the gifts of, of uh, for entertainment as some churches seek to do. Some churches want to uh, sit there and. <coughs> Excuse me. Some churches want to spend all their time bringing entertainment. 
As uh, Brother Buddy was sharing with us in Sunday school, uh, he, he's been reading a book, and, and the music of the church is, is not for entertainment, it's for worship. We're singing these songs and we're, we're uh, playing these songs and all the, the effort that we put into all of that music, although it sounds nice and everything, it's not for us, it's for God. We're here singing not for each other and not for uh, uh, the entertainment of one another. We're singing it to praise God and thanking God for all the things that He's done. And it's used for education like today. Uh, uh, that hymn that we sang, uh, 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 What Have We Done for God? What, have we, what is it that God, God has given all of these things to us? What is it that we've done for Him? And it's to prompt us and push us to serve Him, to live for Him, uh, to exalt Him, to glorify Him. So if it's not to, to worship God and thank Him for all the things that He's done, it's to teach us on how we're to live and to serve God and to, and to glorify Him in our daily life. And so the work that God has brought us together to do, the, the things that we do, uh, yes, we have fun during Vacation Bible School when we have Vacation Bible School. Yes, we have fun when we have fellowships and we have a nice meal and, and meals are good and they, uh, the food's good because our men know how to cook uh, uh, wonderful meals and we appreciate all of that. And, and the ladies know how to make good cakes and pastries and all kinds of other stuff that go along with the uh, the meat that we uh, char on the grill and all that kind of stuff. And it's all about, uh, uh, and that's all good fellowship, and we have a good time doing it, but that's not what our church is all about. We didn't, uh, uh, the people who erected this church 179 years ago didn't bring this church together just so we could come together every once in a while and cook some hamburgers or, or, or cook some uh, 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 fish or, or uh, whatever it is that we're cooking. They didn't sacrifice all that they had to build this building so that we could come together and just sing some songs and go on home. It was to provide a witness to the community in this area. It was to reach the lost souls that were still lost in their sinfulness. It was to help those who were hurting and, and reaching those who were are going through so many things. And Jesus uh, and Paul here says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, look, uh, these gifts that God has given are all for the edifying of the saints. So that's our work. That's the perfecting of the saints. Perfection. That's a hard thing to live up to. Uh, and we're admonished in the Bible, be ye perfect. For why? Because God is perfect. That means that we, even though God knows that we're sinful... Even though God understands and knows that we have a sinful nature, even though God understands and knows that there's temptation in the world, He expects perfection. And he also understands and knows that we're not perfect in and of ourselves. And so we see three things that God is doing in this particular verse in which it says for the perfecting of the saints. We see three things that God is working and doing. And we're going to look at uh, uh, a couple of other scriptures. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. The perfecting of the saints. 
Kartartso is the word there for perfection, uh, perfecting the saints. It's a hard word for me to, uh, to, to say. It probably doesn't mean a, a thing to you, but that word means perfection, perf- perfecting in a couple of different ways. And we're going to see that today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 is the first perfecting it's where we see three different aspects and the first aspect is the positional perfection hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 uh, says this is the covenant that i will make with them after those days saith the lord i will put my laws into their hearts and then and in their minds i will write them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering of sin. Uh, I started a little bit too late. It's 10.14. By one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so the first task of sanctification is to be perfected. And the first aspect of, of perfecting is positional. Positional in terms of we're perfected by what Christ has done for us. Either we're saved or we're not saved. We're, uh, it's a position of whether or not we have a relationship with God or we don't have a relationship with God. And the first aspect of perfection is, is do you have a relationship with God? You can't be perfected. He can't make you into the perfect creation you're, He intends for you to make. God can't sanctify your life if you haven't given your heart and life to Him first. It's like swimming. You can't swim if you don't get in the water, can you? You can learn all kinds of strokes and techniques and books. You can hear people talk about it. You can even watch people swim. But until you get in the water and start floating in the water and swimming, you're not swimming, are you? I mean, you might be sinking, but you're not swimming. You might be sitting watching other people swim, but you're not swimming if you're not in the water. You can't have a perfected life, a sanctified life, if you're not first and foremost a child of God. And that first position is a position of being redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. It's a positional perfection. We are perfected by the work that Christ has done in us, the shedding of His blood, His blood covering our sins, and allowing God to, to see us, not for the sinful person that we are, but being coated by the blood of Jesus Christ so that, we, that when God looks at us, He sees and has love for us like He has love for Jesus Christ, not seeing our sin. And so it's a positional perfection. That's important for people to understand. Uh, So many people try and come and and you you invite them to to church, you invite them to have a relationship with God. And One of the first things that, uh, one of the biggest excuses that I've heard uh, from people, especially lately, is as well, I'm just not ready yet. Why are you not ready? Well, I'm, I'm... I'm not. I'm still having a problem with so and so. I'm having problems with drinking. I'm having problems with crowding with my old friends. I'm, I'm having problems with doing a lot of the things that I'm doing. And I can't. And their idea is is that they can't accept Jesus Christ into their heart and life until they have gotten rid of that sin in their life. 
Jesus didn't call us to uh, salvation if we were clean and, and righteous and we were perfect and we deserve salvation. He comes to us and He provides salvation to us because we can't save ourselves, because we can't forgive our sins for ourselves. He, he comes to us and offers us salvation because we are destitute in our sin. And there's no way that we can come and have a relationship with God other than to accept His gift of salvation. So it's a positional thing. God perfects us in our position in that He provides us the covering of His blood. He offers us salvation. And he allows us to come into a relationship with Him. And then there's this, a second posi- uh, position of perfection, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 12. Go over a couple of uh, chapters there in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. It's the ultimate perfection to the general assembly. Uh, let's see. Let me make sure I'm at the right verse. Yeah, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the just men, made perfect. And so the second perfection is the ultimate perfection, the perfection of of coming into the presence of God. When we finally shed this mortal coil and we are finally in the presence of God because we have a position of perfection that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins and allowed us to be a part of the family of God. We are then have the ultimate perfection of, of being in the place uh, where God is and God perfects us. And, and it says here that He, he uh, to those who've been written in the Lamb's book of life, and that means when we co- come into His presence, he, He's going to open that book and He's going to look and see if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we have accepted the gift of salvation. Of course, he already knows. Uh, but uh, our name has been written in the book of life because we've accepted Christ into our heart and life. And then once we come into His presence, He perfects us, the ultimate perfection. No longer are we hampered by sin. No longer do we have this sinful body of our own and sinful tendencies. No longer are we enduring the hardships and the struggles of this life, but we are in the presence of God and He has made us perfected in His presence. That's the second one. And, and that's, you know, we talk about uh, uh, that day in which we'll come into His uh, presence. We sing a lot of songs uh, in the 600s about going and being in the presence of God and, and being up there with, in heaven and, and, and rejoicing because we are finally together with God and, and we're spending all of eternity with Him. And it's not just, <coughs> you see, God uh, can't, uh, abide by sin being in His presence. We've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ to allow us entrance into heaven, but God uh, makes us ultimately perfect so that we might remain in His presence. And so we're, we're there with Him for all eternity, worshiping Him and, and rejoicing at being in His presence. And so that ultimate perfection is the second perfection. But the most important one is the one that's in the middle that I kind of skipped over a little bit. The most important one there is the practical perfection that's discussed here. 
<coughs> the practical per- perfection is what we do here in this place. You see, along with uh, worshiping God and praising Him and, and giving Him glory for all that He does, we sit in Sunday school not so that we can get through a, uh, a Sunday school quarterly or that we can enjoy some time. To, well, we do enjoy some time together talking about what's happened in our week and everything. But we go to Sunday school so that we have a more uh, uh, perfected life in Christ. We are striving to be more like Jesus Christ. We're striving to live and walk and, and be like Christ. We're striving to do all that we can to be more like Jesus Christ. And, so, and, and that's what Paul here is talking about is, is all of these gifts that we've been given, all of these gifts that God has provided for us is to allow us to be more like Christ, to the work of the sanctification of the saints, the work of, of redeeming us is accomplished through the work that we do here at this church. Of, of, uh, now, I want to point out something to you that's important. And hear me and hear me good. Because it sounds like we're doing uh, the perfecting here. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, first of all, the, pra- uh, the positional uh, uh, perfection of the saint is done by who? Jesus Christ. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins. He's the one that shed his blood. He was the one who had no he he who had no sin bore our sins so that we might uh, be in him. Jesus Christ did that. Now the ultimate perfection when we come into the presence of God, who is it that that makes us ultimately perfect in His presence? Well, it's God, right? God changes us, gives us a new, makes us a new creation, gives us a new body. God is the one who does that, right? Now, who is it that does the practical perfection? Who is it that does that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not us. We're not the ones that are, even though we're uh, uh, teaching the Sunday school lesson, who is it that gave us the gift of teaching? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Who is it that gave the gift of, of preaching to the preacher? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not something uh, innately of my gifts or talents uh, or in, innately a part of who I am. When I was in high school, I stood up for the first time to speak in front of a class. I knew I was being called to the ministry, so I took a speech class thinking, well, this will help me out. As I go on throughout life, at least I can talk in front of people. Well, I listen to other people give their speeches, and we kind of, uh, as a class, talked about all the different things that that needed to be worked on, and especially the first speech. First speech was brutal, brutal, brutal. And I stood up and gave my speech, and when when I sat down. The teacher said, okay, class, let's talk about Carl's speech. And I don't even remember what I talked about. I remember what other people talked about, but I don't remember what I talked about. But I, whatever it was, it didn't come across too well because they said, well, you said um about 47 times. And you said uh, 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 several times right there together. And, and I still struggle with that sometimes myself today. Even though I've stood in front of people for years and years and years preaching, 
is something that at times when I'm thinking off the cuff that that um, 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 and that kind of thing comes in. My dad, I talked to my dad about it and he said, well, uh, Carl, that's what happens when you don't know what to say and you're trying and you're searching for something to say. He said, the best thing you can do is just not say anything at all. I said, okay. The next speech I gave was a lot of silence. A whole lot of silence. But the Holy Spirit's the one that conveys the message. It's not in all the work that I can do to to stand up here and preach and not say um, um, um all the time or all the things that I can do to try and convey the message to you and all the gifts, uh, all the uh, talents and all the uh, trials and testing and, and learning of how to speak and preach does nothing if the Holy Spirit's not a part of it. It's nothing. And it's the Holy Spirit that moves us from the sinful creation that we are to being more like Christ. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us. It's taking us and moving us and molding us. And so all of those uh, tasks of the preacher and the teacher and and, uh, the apostle and all those are all work of the Holy Spirit to move us. Now, when we talk about perfection, we are talking about the completeness. And it is born in the the definition of perfect. This word perfect here means mature, complete, grown up, fully equipped, an an adult. In this context, an adult Christian who isn't dependent upon the milk of the Word, having to be spoon-fed everything that, that is given. We, we talk about people that are babes in Christ, and basically it's very similar to, to a baby that is being finally fed with a little spoon, and that little baby uh, can't grasp hold of the spoon and hold the food on it, so... Uh, Mama or Daddy takes the the spoon, a little tiny little spoon, and and gets a little bit of food and and does whatever is necessary to get that baby to open the mouth so that you can stick that food in their mouth. And hopefully, hopefully, they won't spit it out. But we don't give them steak or T-bone or we don't give them a big... uh, uh, Hardy's burger, uh, $6 burger or whatever when they're a year old. At least I hope not. Because why? They can't, they can't handle eating it and ingesting it, and they can't handle digesting it either. And a baby in Christ, a baby in the faith, can't take the meat of the Word, can't apply the meat of the Word in their life, can't uh, be effective and serve God with the meat of the Word. They have to have the milk of the Word. Unfortunately, there are Christians that are addicted to milk. They love that milk. Well, they're older. They're, they should be more mature. But they're addicted to that milk. They want to be spoon-fed. I, I even had people come to me and say, I, Preacher, I, I, I don't know about some folks, but 
I need to be fed the Word. I need to be fed. Well, you're still a baby if you need to be fed. You might have been a Christian for 40 years, but you've not matured in Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is to move us from that babe, that infant in Christ that's just accepted Christ into their heart and life and mature us so that we can then go out and reach others so that they might be born into the family of God. We're not intended to stay in the nursery. We're intended to grow and to develop and to reach others for Christ. So, an infantile Christian has all kinds of problems. Not just not being able to, to receive uh, the healthy Word of God as it's intended for their life. But look at verse 14. It says, uh, uh, I'm also, uh, he says, God also gives those to be in those offices so that we will no more be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. And I think of the time that we lived in South Carolina and for whatever reason, we were going to the beach and, and we'd gone to the beach and, and a hurricane was coming in. Well, we had paid for the whole week. We didn't want to be evacuated out of Myrtle Beach because a little wind. And so <laughs> I did a drive down the road to see how things were heating up, you know, with the storm. Of course, we had weathermen on the news telling us, get out, get out. you got to get out, leave, go. But yeah, I had to look at myself, for myself. And I saw some people out there trying to surf in that, that ocean that was being stirred up by that hurricane. And I saw people out there trying to walk along the beach in the midst of that those high winds and they were doing all they could, but they, were, they looked like they were drunk or like they were half out of their mind because that wind was just throwing them all over the place. That's the image here. When we're a child, we're pulled here by mom and dad. We're pulled there by uh, friends and, and acquaintances. We're pulled here and there by others uh, that expect things out of us like teachers at school. And we don't typically go where we want to go as a child, especially when we're we little child. We go where others tell us to go. And he says, you're being perfected so that you won't be led astray, that you won't be pulled here and there by the whim of, of those who are seeking to deceive you. See, that was the problem that the church was having in Ephesus. There were people coming in after Paul was leaving and, and they were te- teaching, trying to teach them all kinds of things. Verse 13 says that uh, I, I'm trying to bring you to maturity. So in verse 14, you'll no longer be a child. In verse 15, that you'll grow up in Christ. How important is this? Paul talks in several verses uh, in Scripture that he writes and others do as well. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul's final words to the Corinthians is, Be perfect. Be perfect. In 1 Peter, Peter says uh, that uh, uh, all that you're going through, all the suffering, all of the problems that you're facing, and, and 1 Peter 5.10 is, is that you might be made 
perfect. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul again says uh, that he's all of these things that are going on in your life is to move you to maturity. In Galatians 3.3, 3, uh, the writer there says that the work of the Holy Spirit is to develop you and to mold you into a creation of God. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, I'm seeking that you might be like Christ. And that's, that's our goal. It's so important that Paul's main message throughout Scripture has been that we would be made perfect. Well, here's some uh, of the tools that, that we're used, and, and I'll end with this. It says uh, in James chapter 1, verse 2, one of the tools in, in making us and perfecting us and maturing us is the trials and difficulties that we face. First Peter 5.10, again, uh, I mentioned just a moment ago, is that we suffer through difficulties and struggles so that we'll learn to depend upon Christ and that we'll be made mature. And then in 2 Timothy 3.16, we read that all of Scripture is given so that we might be perfected in Christ. So the perfecting of the saints is to mature the saints. And so the call of the pastor and the preachers and the apostles and the teachers and all of those of us who are all the other parts of the body of Christ as we've come together in unity is to move us to perfection of maturity as a saint so that we will then go you know I a long time ago I decided that uh, the majority of what my ministry is going to be focused on is to the proper teaching and preaching of the word not because I'm too lazy to get out and and knock on all the doors in the neighborhood no because we've done that together. My, my desire is to preach the Word not because I'm, I'm too lazy to go out and get food and collect uh, things to help people that are in need. No, I, I, I've done that too. done that too. But the reason I focus on pastoring and being a, a, an effectual preacher of the Word is not because it's easy but because it is the main task of the church. You see, if I go out and do all the work of ministry in the church, which I've had many churches who, who have looked at me and said, look, well, preacher, you know, we pay you to be the pastor, and so we need you to go out and see all the sick people. We need you to go out and see all the homebound people. We need you to go out and knock on doors and, and win lost souls and bring them into the church. We'll just sit here and wait for you to get back with all those people you're bringing in, all those people that you're ministering to. And yes, all of that ministry is important, but if I'm not helping and leading you to mature in Christ to do all of those things, then you're not being the church that God desires for you to be. And I'm not saying that that work is not my work too. But if I'm the only one doing that work, then I'm failing at being a pastor to you. 
You see, as you mature, as you perfect in the, as a saint, as you grow in Christ and be more like Christ, then you'll want to go out and reach out to those who are lost. You'll want to go out and reach out to those that are hurting. You'll want to go out and do good to the people in the community so they see what Christ has done in your life. And you'll be a mature child of God leading others to know Christ as well. That's the work of the church. And that's the work of the pastor, the preacher, and the apostle, the teacher, is to perfect the saints. And so that's the work that we have to do as well. To be perfected. To grow in Christ. To allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in our life. Allow our lives to be moldable, bendable, shapeable into the creation God wants us to be. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your great love. And we praise You that You allow us to come and to grow and develop as a child of God. Lord, help us to mature, to grow so that we might fulfill Your desire and task as the church, the body of Christ, to reach out to those who are lost to help people to know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray that if there's anyone in our life that we know that has not yet accepted the position of coming to know You as Savior and Lord, has not been perfected by a relationship with Christ, Lord, help us to lead that person to Christ. Help us to lead that person to hear the message of the Spirit of God in their life, that they might be led to come to know You as Savior and Lord. Help us, Lord to be faithful to your call in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.